0: This is... This is... This is... Greater Boston.
1: This is Chuck Octagon, reporting for News 7 Shines a Light. And today we are shining our light on Third Sight Media, the publishing body at the center of the lottery attacks. And many questions abound. As a publisher, Third Sight was responsible for such new-agey claptrap as Metaphysical Monthly and Political Prognostication. It is also the former workplace of one dipshit Puletti, the man who blackmailed me into marrying my wonderful husband, Andy, in the ridiculous city of Redline, leading to the third and final lottery attack, the Octagon Wedding Debacle, or Octabacle as some have taken to calling it, against my personal wishes. Pelletti has since confessed to being part of the conspiracy behind the attacks, pinning leadership of the scheme firmly on his employer, the publisher of Third Sight Media, a man whose name has yet to be revealed. Further complicating matters is evidence discovered by the administration of acting Mayor Lindsay Coolidge, tying Third Sight Media directly to the mayoral campaign of Emily Bespin. Today, we are speaking with employees of Third Sight Media, or perhaps I should say former employees, as the building has since shuttered without explanation, to see what they can reveal about their nefarious company. First, we are speaking with Marketing Director Jonas Wright. Jonas, what can you tell us
2: about your role at Third Sight Media? Well, I was the other vegan. Uh, I'm sorry, I par- pardon me? Dipshit was the primary vegan. When people thought about vegans, they always thought of him first. Which is kind of unfortunate, honestly. I was the other vegan.
1: Sure. What about the company? What was it like to work
2: at Third Sight Media? Well, uh, it was okay. You know, jobs and such. Uh, good donuts, though not so much since Terrell left. Right, but I mean more big, big, bigger picture, like... Was the company evil? Well, it generally didn't seem evil. I mean, aside from the managers pretty consistently turned into really bitter, vindictive assholes, and the way orders came down to us in pneumatic tubes, that was sort of sinister. Uh, and there was that guy who stayed late one night, uh, then nobody ever saw him again. Uh, I, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that guy, Michael, Michael Tate, he edited political prognostication. He always stayed late at the office after everyone was gone. He had nowhere else to go or something. And one night, he stayed late. When we got in the next morning, his jacket and stuff were still there, like half-finished coffee or whatever, you know. But no Michael. Never saw him again. And nobody ever tried to find him? I guess that would have been Terrell's job, but he quit before that. We didn't have a new human resource guy yet. Anyway, we all suspected Michael was a drunk, so we figured he probably went on a bender and fell in a dumpster or something.
1: Our next guest is Wanda McIntosh, Third Sight's Director of Public Relations.
0: Yeah, Third Sight was a shithole. But it was a steady shithole, you know? I've been there 13 years and wasn't planning to leave so long as they kept paying me. Of course, now they ain't paying shit no more, so that's that. Gotta find something else. As is life, right? Maybe I'll go manage a bowling alley or something. I don't know.
1: Did anything about Third sight ever seem suspicious to you?
0: What? You mean, were there secret passages or secret rooms or something?
1: Th- that wasn't actually what I meant, but is there a reason why you bring that up?
0: Nah, I never found anything like that. it wasn't for lack of looking, trust me. I'll tell you what, though. The whole thing always seemed a little satanic to me. What with the Ouija and the seances and astral projections and like that. That sort of thing don't fly with Jesus.
1: If you're so troubled by the sorts of things that Third Sight specialized in, why did you work there? Huh?
0: Jesus knows a girl's gotta eat. He knows that shit was never in my heart of hearts. Please. Do
1: you think there's anything in the accusations that Third Sight was behind the lottery attacks?
0: Uh, I don't know about that. We did predict them, though. You did? Oh, sure. Every one of them. The sticky situation we predicted at Andrew, an unwelcome party we predicted at Redline. The only one we predicted that didn't happen was a sweet rain in downtown Crossing. Not sure how that one got fucked up since the rest of them were spot on, but I guess some of this shit we do actually works because we saw all of them... Pretty much all of them. Coming. Is
1: it possible you predicted those attacks because Third Sight was planning them in the first
0: place? Well, now that you say it like that, sure, I guess that's how it could have happened.
1: And what about the man who disappeared, Michael Tate?
0: Oh, yeah, Michael. Uh, He probably fell off the wagon, ended up in a dumpster somewhere or something. They'll find him. Or they'll find parts of him the rats didn't need anyway. Uh-huh.
1: That's a bit morbid, Miss McIntosh
0: Eh, yeah, I guess
1: Our final guest this evening is Tyrell Fredericks Former Director of Human Resources at Third Sight Now, I understand that you quit Third Sight Shortly before these recent revelations
3: Yes, that's right I've since started an event planning service I just organized the cotillion in redline It was a lovely experience Honestly, I stayed at Third Sight longer than I should have It had a way of taking good people and twisting them up. Gerald used to be a very kind man when I knew him. A little self-righteous, maybe a little aggressive with his beliefs. But what he became over time, at Third Sight? Gerald? Paletti. I won't call him by that terrible name the office gave him. I, I can't. So, you think the publisher may have radicalized him? That that's how he came to be involved in the lottery? I don't know. I can't imagine Gerald deliberately hurting someone. Maybe he didn't really know what he was involved with? What about the publisher? Does it surprise you that he or she may have been behind the lottery attacks? Well, I don't think Third Sight was a very good place, but I never witnessed any criminality. I never met the publisher, whoever they are, but I don't know why anyone would do these sorts of things. It's certainly not a productive method for managing anger. There are some very nice seminars I could recommend for that sort of thing. And
1: were you still working at Third Sight at the time of the disappearance? Disappearance? Yes, Michael Tate. Michael disappeared? Yes, he hasn't been seen in weeks. Was it during the wedding? He lived at Porter, so he could have...
3: He could have...
1: His disappearance occurred several weeks before my wedding disaster, and and no bodies were ever found. Oh, thank God. So if he died, it would have been before that. Some of your former co-workers are speculating that he went on a drinking binge, fell into a dumpster, died there, and was eaten by rats.
3: That's a very specific and
1: uncharitable speculation. So you don't credit that theory?
3: No, not at all. Michael was an alcoholic, but he was genuinely committed to his recovery. He had a mantra in everything. 8, 11, five, four, nine, one, seven, six, then 3, 12, 2. I use it myself sometimes. It's surprisingly effective. So he was doing very well, and he was very kind. But he lived at Porter Square, you know, where the housing structure got torn down during the... Well, you know, you were there. But anyway, that's where Michael lived. So his house is gone, his job is gone. Why would he still be here? It makes perfect sense that he would take this as a time to move on to
1: somewhere better. Well, there you have it, folks. Mysterious tubes, anonymous publishers, disappearing alcoholics, and no one knows anything about anything. This has been Chuck Octeon reporting for 7 News Shines a Light. Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Greater Boston will be at PodCon in Seattle, Washington, December 9th and 10th. You can meet us in person at our exhibition booth along with James Oliva and What's the Frequency. We'll have t shirts, posters, comics, and other goodies for sale, or just stop by to chat. There are going to be so many great shows at PodCon with so many talented creators to meet. And if you're at the show, keep an eye out for the unofficial audio drama fan and creator meetup being organized by Jeffrey Gardner of Our Fair City. We hope to see you there. This episode featured Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon, Jim Johansson as Jonas Wright, Tanya Milojevich as Wanda McIntosh, and Arun Sanity as Tyrell Fredericks. Charlie on the MTA is recorded by Emily Peterson and Dirk Teedy.
2: Oh, yeah. Michael. Yeah. Ah, Michael. Michael, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I remember that guy. (laughs) Yeah, he was a real so and so. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) The
2: rats
0: don't eat. They'll find those parts. Yeah. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.
3: It's a tale of learning and healing.
1: We've got a whole province going to see one
2: overworked witch in a candy cottage that's been chewed to pieces by the local kids.
3: Of fairies
2: and magic. You're touching the sapphire of assessment! I'm not touching it! I'm just putting my hand near it as I focus my brainial waveforms on it. Stop it! I'm not even touching it! of struggle against the odds.
0: This is my team. They may not live up to your vision of a perfect, efficient department. They don't live up to my vision of a stampede in a barnyard.
2: Ooh, Keeley, that's how you know it's working.
3: And now, it returns at last. Alba Salix, Royal Physician,
2: Season 2. Alba Salix, Royal Physician from Fable and Folly. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts or look us up at
0: fableandfolly.com.